Welcome to the SaaS Backwards Podcast, where we reverse engineer the success of fast-growing SaaS firms and explore strategies CMOs and CEOs are using to drive their businesses forward. Hello, everyone, and thanks for listening to another episode of SaaS Backwards. It's a podcast for SaaS CMOs and CEOs to help them accelerate growth and increase profitability. I'm Jason Myers, the Chief Revenue Officer of Austin Lawrence Group, and I'm your guest host for this episode. I'm excited about our guest today, Robin Hazelton, and she's recently been promoted to Vice President of Marketing for Intellum. Is that right? That is right. Hi, Jason. Thank you so much for having me. And I'm super excited to dig in. Absolutely. And before we get started, why don't you tell me a little bit about yourself and Intellum? Yes. So I'll start with Intellum and then I'll go to me. Intellum is a SaaS platform that helps enable uh, customer, partner, and vendor education. We are the platform behind massive education initiatives like Facebook Blueprint for the marketers out there or Skillshop for all those paid advertisers out there. Oh, fantastic. I Canadian, moved down to Atlanta, relocated to the U.S. probably seven years ago and got myself into tech. So former B2C marketer turned B2B marketer, which is a conversation all on its own that we can probably enjoy another day. Um, That turned my attention to tech, mostly around feedback. Originally, I implemented a survey, a feedback loop for the B2C business I used to work into and found my way on on a tech platform that enabled feedback surveying and talked myself into a marketing role there. And today I found myself at Intellum applying education to the full prospect cycle. That is something we're going to have to do another interview on because one of my premises is how uh, B2B needs to borrow more ideas from B2C to generate experience in their marketing. Yeah, it's such a hot topic these days that, you know, I read one of those prediction things earlier this year was like B2B marketing catches up with B2C tactics. (laughs) And uh, I couldn't agree more though. Some of the things that I've learned early in my career are some of the things that I brought to B2B is just changing the mindset and tweaking it a little bit. And it's changed results and um, seen things amplify significantly. So different topic for a different day. Absolutely. Well, I'm excited about our talk because we actually met through dark social, right? Like, uh, so I posed a question on state of demand, Jen, about the changing role of BDRs and to see if anybody had experience moving them under marketing instead of sales. Uh, For those of you that don't know, BDRs are business development reps. They're the ones that are doing the outbound cold calling, cold emailing, and trying to get engagement with prospects, whether it's an inbound lead or pure outbound. But I wanted to talk to Robin because they have been successful at moving BDRs under marketing. So first question is, can you start by telling us how the BDRs were being used before you moved them into marketing and what uh, prompted the change? Yeah, yes. So we historically at Intellum, it was a sales own function. I was hired under the premise that there was a demand problem. Now, when you have customers like ours, who are the largest brands in the world, I think it's really easy for you to say you have a demand problem. The reality is that's not true because you're customers are the largest brands in the world. And there's no way that they're not driving traffic to your website and helping you convert all of those raving fans into new customers. So the truth is we had a follow-up 
problem. We were spending a lot of time on the front end of conversations, killing sales cycles, frankly, because we were talking to them and doing discovery where we shouldn't have been. And they were just ready to buy, ready to be engaged with a salesperson. And we were stopping them dead in their tracks and asking them like, Hey, before you speak to a salesperson, what is your ideal profile? We were just asking questions that didn't matter, that weren't impacting revenue and that ultimately were slowing down how to move people from stage one to stage two or from stage two to stage three. So I saw the problem. We addressed the problem by moving people into marketing and giving the answers to the questions that were desired upfront or hopefully are desired upfront and giving people what they want, frankly, and putting them into the sales cycle when they are ready. Now, in, in your view, would you have considered when you joined Intellum, were they more of a sales culture or did they adequately embrace marketing as a lead generator, demand generator? I think it's both, right? Like they were a little bit invested in sales, a little bit invested in marketing, but the real change was my hiring. We hired a VP of sales at the same time. We started at the same time. We were on all the same pages together. And I think that was really the catalyst to investing in sales and marketing together instead of this weird dynamic that you sometimes find yourself in, right? Like, oh, sales blames marketing because the leads, because we're using vanity metrics and booking meetings. And then marketing blames sales because they don't follow up on the leads that marketing thinks are really awesome. And so I think Intellum more pointedly said was ready to invest in both at the same time with the right people. Was it when they originally hired the BDRs, was that working well? And then like everyone else started to see declines in effectiveness around that, or did they just copy a model and it never really took place in the first place? You know, I don't know a lot about the historical way that they went about their hiring or the way they went around the, I think the best way to say it is the equation, right? They were trying to get to a revenue goal and they were backing into a revenue goal by trying to do some predictive analytics, right? Or some predictive pieces. I will say that the reason I was able to figure out that there was not a demand problem and that there was a follow-up problem was because I could see in the data that the length of time between stages was astronomical. I'm talking like 90 day sales cycles for 70 to 100K in ACV, ACV. And they were just stalled at stage two to stage three for 90 days. And there was no activity, no reasons, no documenting and just, just classic, classic traps all around. Um, and so to demonstrate success and changing them to marketing, what we did is just start following up immediately. And you saw that window go from immediately go from 90, 90 plus days to 30 days. And then we started to even shorten that even further to 14 days once we delivered the right information and started to ask the questions to give the answers that they needed. So was that because that you took a look at the sales cycles and said, this is way too long. We've got to figure out what's going on way too long, way too long. And I was talking to the BDRs, right? I was asking questions. I was wondering where they were spending their time. I was looking at the emails that were being sent and there were these pages long of documentation and emails that I wouldn't read. So I don't know why the heck they thought their prospect was reading it or even better when asked, like, would you read this? They would say, no. Well, 
Like, so. problem here. And so it's a combination of both, right? Like there is the data and the data is important. And when you're looking at the right data, it's even more important, but then there's the people. And I think we forget like, Hey, person over here trying to develop skills. Cause that's the profile that we tend to hire with BDRs. These like young, hungry individuals who are just trying to show that they can make an impact. And when we get stuck in making an impact, they get further and further and further away from actually hitting the result and helping the organization meet their goals. So I've always thought that a BDR is a pretty important function, mostly because they can talk to people like a salesperson can, which is a lot of times a deficiency of marketers. They haven't really ever been taught to talk to customers in a way that is a consultative sales conversation. I didn't learn it until I went through sales training personally when I owned a business, right? And so it is important, but there's a deficiency there on their and yes, they can talk to customers, but they're not necessarily good at writing or kind of marketing or how to marry the two. Did you run into skill set mismatches when you started to move some under marketing? I didn't inherit any of the BDRs that were on the sales team. It was a decision we were like, hey, this isn't working. We need to do it differently. And I was like, in my past experience was working very closely with a sales leader who did own the BDRs. And I kind of raised my hand, was like, look, been there, done that. Don't really want to do it again. I think I can wrangle this and make it a machine that actually works. Let me do it the way that I want to do it. And, you know, tried to build some trust there and build some results first. And as soon as we did that, I think it worked. But to answer your question, right, the personality and the writing skill set isn't always there. And so, yes, but I think that comes with subject matter and expertise, right? I think it comes with learning your product, understanding your product, using your product to do the same thing that you're trying to teach your prospective customers or your clients to do. And then I think it comes with delivering that information information in the place that your prospect is. So a little bit of column A and a little bit of column B, is that a cop-out answer? (laughs) No, not at all. Because you didn't inherit them, you probably had the opportunity to hire them under marketing from the beginning, which would have directed looking for different skill sets when you hired them in the first place. Yeah, correct. I, I mean, to stand up the organization at first, the only thing that I was thinking about is one, how do we take the data that we have today or the data that we're trying to be thrown in front of us? and use it to both, one, incentivize the BDR team to think differently, and then two, communicate the message that we need to communicate based on the differentiators that are for our product. One of the ways that I think about doing that differently is through incentivizing the BDR team. I incentivize on a quarterly comp plan that is subject to change and could change throughout the quarters. Now, it doesn't change sometimes, and other times it does change based on a number of things. I feel like I could blank and company objectives could change or strategy can change. And the last thing I want to do is leave my leaders or my team of individual contributors that are hungry to deliver results, feeling left like they are not incentivized to do so and not fairly compensated for the work and efforts that go into the really hard job that is BDR and SDR. 
Well, I definitely want to talk about the results that you've seen and all this, and not to say you're jumping ahead too far, but I think it brings up a little bit of a backstory in terms of the organizational change that's required to implement something like this. And so I'd like to hear how that came about. Like, were your leaders on board? Did they know that we have a problem that we have to solve here and we're open to suggestion? Or what did that look like? And how did you use the numbers to drive decisions. So I would say that there's two important points here. One, we're Intellum is a privately held business and it is not lost on the me that I'm spending our founders money every single day. And so just keeping that in mind is part of the conversation, right? We're not backed by a huge private equity firm. We've made those decisions and they've made those decisions. You know, well, we're we're cut from the same day. cloth there, right? I, I hate wasting right. money. There's always some, right? Like what you you want to minimize the waste until you figure figure out a model that works and, and probably get that from your B2C. Yeah. And it's the right? first thing that you cut, right? Like if you're looking to save money and you're looking at places like, oh, hi, <laughs> large expense over in this bucket, I'm going to fix that and just cut it straight. So that's not lost on me. And that's part of the way that I approached most of our conversations in the first place, just making sure like we demonstrate what the results are as we're going and try to find the efficiencies as we go along. The second thing I would say is at the time that I was hired, they like I mentioned, hired a, a corresponding VP of sales who actually hadn't built out a BDR org either and really had no, maybe no interest is the incorrect word, but had really strong interest in improving the closed one ratio number. And so it was kind of like this happy medium and very, very flexible. We looked at it. We were like, I can build it. I can stand it up. I've done it before. Let's just do it with it actually reporting through marketing and with an open mind. And if it doesn't work, then we can pull it back into sales and I can stay close. And that was sort of that. I was left to build and motivate the individuals to meet our results, which at the time was still marketing created opportunities, not necessarily meetings booked or MQLs, which is a different conversation. So I changed that mindset, right? It's like just these small kind of tweaks that I could make along the way that have amalgamated into motivated individuals that are happy to be here. And more than that, learning skills that they can take to maybe a sales career, but also maybe a marketing career and also maybe a customer success career because the personality and the sense of community isn't going away. Like that is to our earlier conversation, which we thought was a different one. Right. Like that is the B2C moving into the B2B marketing. Right. So what does it look like now? Operation wise, what do your BDRs do and how are they assisting the marketing process? Yeah, that's a great question. So today the BDRs still report up through the marketing team. They actually report directly to our ABM team or better said, our account-based marketing team. We have very, very narrowed down target lists by industry. The account-based marketing manager also has his own list of targets. They are measured today on active pipeline. So we are looking at how many opportunities or the dollar value attached to an active pipeline opportunity. I have like thrown out the window and I, you know, I did when we stood this up two years ago, the, the notion of 150 emails, a hundred cold calls, 20 second voicemails, like all those weird statistics that we think really move the needle or that we've taught ourselves over the last 10 years that that's what moves the needle is gone. And I am trying to be part of the conversation where in 24 months, the role of BDR is still very important, but looks very different. 
Yeah, you said a lot there. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. You know, and I think 10 years ago, these tactics worked. Like when I was doing it 10 years ago, it was a godsend actually, like following up on inbound leads, you know, even though we wouldn't call them a lead today, but back right. then we did. And it was great. I got into a lot of calls and sales conversations just by following up on link clicks. And then a couple of years ago, that all just fell apart. But I mean, that's what's causing the problems is that ultimately it's not aligned with how the buyer wants to buy. You know, I couldn't agree more. It's not aligned with the way that the buyer wants to buy. And the other thing that I'll say is I think the great marketers are telling you or the great leaders, maybe it's not that they report through marketing because every organization is different, but I think the great leaders are talking about how their prospects or better yet, their customers are helping you identify what the BDR role means to your organization, right? Like, can I sit here and say that the BDR is totally ingrained in our customer success motion or our install base motion today? No, but should they be? And will they be in the next coming months, in the coming quarters? Yes, because those are the activities that are going to move the needle. And those are the activities that are going to also ultimately help build their skill set. The notion of prospecting or finding the right person using these tools isn't going away. It's just, we're just interacting with people differently the way that they want to be interacted with. That's well said. I'm wondering, did you look at any other models for this because not very many organizations have moved BDRs into marketing. And I don't know if you've seen any of the back and forths on LinkedIn at all, but some salespeople are very, I would say 80% of them are very inclined to hold on to BDRs as a sales function. I think one of the things that allows for our motion to be so successful is that I understand and am connected to the data and the sales cycle. And so I don't think it truly matters where the the function lives. It could be a function functioning out on its own. As long as you have the right leadership to help drive the number and the motivation and the equation forward, right? If it is an equation, that's kind of where I'll leave it is like, look, I've done the role. It's a hard role. I understand where those people and those mental games come from. And this I live with a sales leader, right? Like I see his mental game and trying to close business. And I think it is frankly too hard for organizations to assume that a single person can prospect, market, talk to, demo, write contracts, rework red lines, fix pricing, onboard a customer. Like I just said 15 different jobs, but somehow the role of BDR and SDR and sales is roped into one role. And so I just think it's the right leadership, somebody close to the data who understands the data, but then knows how to communicate and talk about the problems that are in front of you. So now let's talk about what everybody's been waiting for, I'm sure, which is what are the results that you've seen since you've moved them into marketing? Yeah. Yeah. Last year we drove $40 million into the sales pipeline. And I'm assuming better than it was before. That is, oh my gosh, four times Four times. what it was. I might even go out on a limb and say four and a half times, but not too sure about that number. Uh, so I'll comfortably say four times more than what it was the year before and even two years before that. And obviously shortened sales cycles, right? 
Yeah, the sales cycles are, the sales cycle is tricky. That is one of the data points that we continue to look at, right? Is, and I think a different topic for a different day too, like the idea of when do you close lost something, even though you haven't necessarily closed lost it. And the enterprise sales cycle specifically is one that Intellum has introduced me to along the way. And so I'm keeping an open mind about where the average day sales cycle lives and how we treat it. But I think that's ultimately also part of the BDR role and the marketing role is to help further that along or nurture that as, as we see fit. And so as long as there's a way to identify that, I'm open to it. But I think that takes a strong partnership, keeping your sales cycles open or closed for that matter. But yes, like if we look at the raw data, has the sales cycle decreased? Yes, but it is also because bandwidth has increased. And so hiring has taken place as a result of understanding where we sit in our pipeline versus our goals. And one last question on that too. I mean, you talked about how the BDRs work closely with your ABM team, which tells me that they are focused primarily on demand capture as opposed to demand generation in the long term. But we also talked in our pre-call about how the BDRs kind of own the top of the funnel. What's the difference as you see it there? Or are the BDRs working at all to help you generate demand or create customers like way, way at the top of the funnel? Good question. So one of the ways that I both incentivize and help motivate a BDR team is through what I call like a segmentation or a grading exercise. And it is not just, does this customer meet our ICP, right? I could go out and buy any tool today that says, here's your revenue and the job titles that are associated and the industry that they work in. More specifically at both my former company and my current company, I have implemented a grading question that allows you to look at whether the prospect is the right fit for your business or your offering. So in the example, of Intellum, if we think about education and we think about how hard it is to sell a piece of the software, and then we have this problem around enabling our users to be the best that they can be at the software that we sold them. When we think about that, what I try to do is look at an individual website of a customer and say, okay, do they have an academy? Does Ken Lawrence run a university or courseware? Is Ken Lawrence driving a certification program that is trying to enable both the industry, but also their individual users on their software. And so I look at what our differentiators are and what I see manually by intervening into a website or into a customer or into a prospect and looking, checking off the boxes like, okay, these people are doing these things. We just need to think about how we communicate what our message is and how we can help them scale or build this business. It's literally an equation field in our CRM and I don't talk to or in interact with unless they come to us with anyone who scores below a 65 on my threshold. Well, I think that's a good place to land. It's been an it. illuminating interview. I certainly hope that it gets people to kind of question their structures and why they're doing things and maybe look a little bit into a new model that more buyer centric and that is going to yield some better results. So again, thanks for doing the interview. If people want to engage with you, how can they do that? They can find me on LinkedIn, uh, Robin Hazelton, and through the Intellum website, I am available, ready to talk. It's been fun. Fantastic. Okay. Well, thanks so much, Robin. And thanks for everybody for listening to this episode of SAS Backwards. If you want to reach me, you can email me at jm at austinlawrence.com. 
Thanks again for the interview, Robin. Thanks, Jason. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to the SaaS Backwards Podcast, brought to you by Austin Lawrence Group. We're a growth marketing agency that helps SaaS firms reduce churn, accelerate sales, and generate demand. Learn more about us at www.austinlawrence.com. You can email Ken Lempett at kl at austinlawrence.com about any SaaS marketing or customer retention subject. We hope you'll subscribe and thanks again for listening.